What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 31st episode of The Roundabout, celebrating 15 years of the Xbox 360. My name is Ryan Turford, and this is the show where we're counting down the months to the 15-year anniversary of the Xbox 360, with 50 of the best games to play on the console for both new and experienced owners. We dive into the brief history of each game and talk about what makes them awesome. As always, we'd love your feedback on the show over on Twitter at the Xbox Drive, or you can reach out to me directly anytime at Ryan Turford. On this week's episode, we hide behind hip hide walls in Gears of War, released on November 7th, 2006. Man, that was a long time ago. Gears of War was, for many, their reason for picking up the Xbox 360 originally. It was a technical showcase for Epic's Unreal Engine 3, and at the time, the game's visuals were some of the best we'd ever seen on consoles. No joke. I mean, Gears of War in particular was just this big, like almost like tech demo uh, for the Unreal 3 engine, or at least a lot of people thought of it like a tech demo. Of course, it became a fully fledged game uh, because of that. But just the demo they showed off, I believe it was at uh, CES in 2005 of Gears of War in particular, just like blew everyone's socks off. They couldn't believe just how good this game looked. And it was definitely going into the 360s launch, just a game that everyone was kind of hyped for. So when it came out, though, the visuals weren't the only thing that impressed with Gears of War. The story, the characters, its addictive multiplayer, and its engaging gameplay really are make it a classic game and an amazing start to a great series. Now, for those who haven't played Gears of War yet, and yes, there are people out there who are listening to this podcast who haven't, especially if you hopped in with Gears 4 or Gears 5 in particular, you play as Marcus Phoenix in this game. After being retrieved from prison, Marcus joins Delta Squad, which is a military squad under the orders of the COG, aka the Coalition of Ordered Governments. They're basically the one government that survived this, like, really long war between a bunch of different uh, governments on the planet Sarah, which is where the humans have basically inhabited. They basically fleed Earth and, and kind of uh, populated on, on Sarah, this new planet. Their mission, retrieve and deploy a device called the Resonator, which will map the planet's underground tunnels, all while fending off attacks from the subterranean race known as the Locust. And the lo the idea of the Locust is super cool. Like, I, I just the whole idea behind Gears of War is really cool in particular because it's just one of those things where it's like, it's cool that uh, the humans themselves, after leaving Earth or other planets, uh, are basically looking for new planets to, to populate or to... Um, civilized and uh, Sarah is one that oh yeah they they see, see nothing wrong with it I mean there's nothing wrong with this planet at all uh, until of course they've been living there they built up their cities for like a hundred years and all of a sudden these uh, monsters pop out of the ground that have just been living below them all of these years uh, like I think all that stuff is super cool Gears had some amazing lore uh, going with it and you learn a little bit of it in this game you learn a lot more of it in, in other games um, so I'm not going to dive too much into the, this game but just there was a lot of mystique, especially when this game came out. Like I wanted to learn more about uh, these environments, like the the environments themselves had this like destroyed beauty about them. Uh, the developers kind of pandered that as like the term they used to basically describe the game, which were basically like it was cool to explore these uh, ruins of these cities while fighting off the locusts because you, your mind would startly immediately start to wander and be like, what, what, what did the city look like before all this stuff happened? Like, I th think all that stuff is super interesting. And yeah, the story itself, of course, is not going to win any awards or anything like that. It's definitely the right blend of 80s action movie and horror that I love so very, very much. It's got some great moments 
that I still remember pretty vividly to this day. And General Ram in particular is one of the series' best villains, even though he never even says needs to say a word. He speaks through his actions and his actions are terrifying. And some of those uh, key moments happen because of General Ram. So again, it's just one of those things where he's just a really terrifying villain, but he he's not terrifying because he's telling you that he's scary. He's just scary. And I think that uh, he has this like level of intimidation, uh, like this aura that that basically goes around him throughout the entire experience. And I think all that is just really, really cool. However, it's the lovable characters of Delta Squad that will really win you over with this experience, whether it's John DiMaggio's portrayal of Marcus or the quote machine that is Lester Spate's portrayal of Coltrane, by the end of the experience, you're going to learn a lot about all four members of Delta Squad, and you're really going to get attached to them by the end. Uh, this is definitely cons- something that's consistent across all three Gears of War games in the main trilogy. Again, they also did a good job of it in, in Gears 4 and Gears 5, not to uh, discount those games either. Uh, but at the same time, it's just something about this original cast that's just super lovable and enjoyable, and I love getting to know them in this, in this first experience in particular, because um, they don't really focus on any of them in particular where I think they kind of focused a little bit too much on Marcus in the second game and the th- and as well as Dom in the second game in particular and they kind of brought like that that kind of back in Gears 3 so I think Gears of War uh, the original definitely probably did the best job out of those three games basically showing you the bonding between these these two members especially because Dom and Marcus beca- are, are start as friends and then uh, Barrett and Coltrane are in the, in the same squad and then when they come together, it's almost like magic uh, when, when they come together within a specific part of the game. In fact, Delta Squad isn't really likable until that point because you've got Carmine, who's okay, and then uh, he's just he's kind of a goofball. Um, and then you've got uh, the other leader guy whose name I'm blanking on right now. That just isn't really that interesting. So I'm glad that they uh, really changed things up with, with the formation of Delta Squad under Marcus's banner. Now, with all that being said, the main thing that the original Gears of War is known for is the genre of cover-based shooter. By no means was Gears of War the very first cover-based shooter. Gears of War was definitely inspired by a 2003 game called Kill Switch, which was actually a uh, game on the original Xbox as well as other platforms. However, it's not the earliest example I could find, as 1999's N64 shooter Winback was definitely, from what I can tell, the originator of this mechanic. Of course, cover-based shooters are third-person games that focus on the idea of your character hiding behind any cover you can find while engaging in combat. It certainly made third-person shooters much more realistic, as at the time you kind of felt like a one-person army as you were basically all about dodging enemies, like strafing back and forth, just trying to avoid their shots, or just observing the hits like a mad person because you had such a large health pool that it didn't matter, that you were basically just a one-person wrecking crew, and it didn't matter how many hits you took. And of course, just this, it layered this extra layer of realism that just made it feel real. And the main way they accomplished this was making you feel super vulnerable when you're out of cover, but they gave you tools like the ability to blind fire behind cover, which originated in Kill Switch in particular, to give you the upper hand. Like they made you, the player character, feel just as weak and powerless out of cover as the enemy characters, which I think is just really cool. Like it wasn't about giant health pools. Like if you get hit hit a couple times, you're dead. (laughs) And I think that uh, that air of realism just put you so much more into that experience than a lot of other third-person shooters at the time. And also, this was before third-person shooters became as popular as they are now. Um, Third-person shooters have really come a long way, and I think Gears is one of the games that is really to thank for that, because while this wasn't new before Gears or anything like that, when Gears released, it sent ripples throughout the video game industry. 
almost every third-person shooter going forward became cover-based, each putting their own spin on the Gears of War formula. Games like Mass Effect, Uncharted, and GTA 4 all have elements from Gears of War's cover system baked into them, just to name a few. I mean, again, like this was such a huge deal at the time, and it really inspired just a new uh, crop of game developers to change around their their visions and maybe try something a little bit different, uh, make their game just feel a little bit more interesting, a little more realistic. Because again, I think that puts you in the player's shoes a lot better than other third-person shooters that came up before then. Overall, the combat is in perfect Gears of War, and it is much more refined in later Gears titles, but it's still really fun today, even though it feels a little bit slower than uh, Gears 3 or Gears 4 and Gears 5, respectively. One of the best things about Gears' combat system is the variety of different weapons at your disposal and how unique they are to this game in particular. My personal favorite weapon in Gears is the Torque Bow, which allows you to fire explosive arrows that stick to enemies or pieces of the environment. You also have quite possibly one of the most iconic weapons in all of video games, the Lancer, a machine gun that also has a chainsaw as a bayonet. And the, the, let me tell you, folks, the Lancer was a huge phenomenon when, it, when this game came out. People love the Lancers. People have giant prop replica of the Lancer in their house uh, because they love the Lancer so much because it was such a fun weapon to use in the game. And it never really felt overpowered either. That's one of the best things about it, because, uh, again, the machine gun fire, it was really fast, but it wasn't really powerful and the chainsaw was an instant kill but it felt balanced because if your character got shot at all it would interrupt your attack and you'd basically be uh unable to use it for a certain period of time like all that felt really well balanced and this just goes back to the weapon design because each gun really feels very different from each other both the cog weapons and the locust weapons are all fun to use and very satisfying and just the weapon balance in particular in this game even stuff like the sidearms all that stuff felt really satisfying to use from the moment you picked up the controller and it Definitely, it really added to the combat in this game. Combined with the active reload mechanic, which forces you to pay attention to when your character's reload is happening, that can net you extra damage increases, or it can make you not able to use your weapon for a certain period of time, as well as the cover mechanics make for a really fun experience from the second you pick up the controller. And again, just Gears in particular just felt so fun to play, and uh, Epic just totally knocked it out of the park with the, with the gameplay in this game. All of this translated really well into the game's multiplayer modes, which gave you a variety of game types with four versus four action. However, we're not going to talk too much about the multiplayer here because one, we're running out of time. But two, as you can imagine, we're going to be talking about Gears again on the show. So we're going to leave multi more of the multiplayer stuff when we talk about Gears uh, for the, the final time. But of course, the one thing I want y'all to know out there is I spent so many hours on Xbox Live playing every single night playing Gears of War with my friends, and I have so many wonderful memories playing the game's multiplayer. It's probably one of my most played Xbox uh, Live games, um, especially that and Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter, which came out around the same time. Just those two games in particular, like I logged like, God, almost a thousand hours between the two of those games just in multiplayer, just playing them nonstop every single night. And I had so much fun with my friends playing this game that the multiplayer is super fun. It's just... It, it was kind of very basic in the first game um, versus the other games. So definitely we'll we'll hold off multiplayer talk for uh, the next time we talk about Gears. So how well does Gears hold up today? Well, out of all of our top 20 lists, because yes, folks, we've finally reached the top 20. This is number 20, even though this is the 31st episode. Gears of War is probably the one entry that holds up the least out of all the entries on this list. 
at least when you revisit the 360 version in particular. While it was a technical powerhouse when it came out, its focus on hyper-realistic graphics made the visuals fairly age quickly, and it was just, it uh, it's not a pretty game to look at, especially when you're used to looking at games nowadays, combined with multiple instances of sub-30 frames per second during combat, because the game mostly runs at 30 frames per second, it's just, when you get into combat, a lot of it slows down. It's not really unplayable, or it's a deal-breaker or anything like that, but playing on 360 now... It's probably not the best way to play it. Still, I think it's a fun game to play today. The story and the character interactions are really fun and make the game well worth playing today. And it's an absolute must play for any Xbox fan, especially those who are new to the series with Gears 4 and Gears 5. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't necessarily think you need to go back and play those games to understand the story in Gears 4 and Gears 5. But you're going to you're going to pick up a lot of little tidbits of uh, past events that really kind of put more context on the events of Gears 4 and Gears 5, and I think you'll just enjoy future Gears games more if you go back and play uh, the original Gears trilogy, in particular Gears of War 1, because that's just where it all started. Um, and yes, I mean, it's not optimal on 360, but there are uh, more optimal ways to play it for sure. Now, if you're looking to pick up Gears of War today, it's available digitally on 360, and it's backwards compatible on Xbox One. There's also an Xbox One upgraded version of the game called the Ultimate Edition with improved visuals and frame rates, as well as the added content from the PC version, which is basically like almost this extra act that they added to the PC version of Gears of War when they released it back on Windows Vista that uh, basically added a whole other section of the game with an extra boss fight and everything like that um, that never really made its way to the console version until the Ultimate Edition. So it definitely adds some extra content. Again, you're not losing too much of the story if you don't play the Ultimate Edition content, but this is one of those things where it's more gears and I think it's really fun. So definitely, if you're going to go play this game at all, that's probably the way I would recommend. Um, though, honestly, they did some nice visual improvements to the original Gears of War on Xbox One backwards compatibility. So definitely, I would say in order, I would say Gears Ultimate Edition. And if you don't want to pick that up, then play Gears of War, the 360 version on Xbox One. And then if you really have to play it on 360, but... I don't know, man. It's it's tough to, tougher to recommend nowadays uh, when you, with the lens of 2020 behind us. That's all for this episode of The Roundabout. You can hit me up on Twitter anytime at Ryan Turford. You also find the pants man himself, Sean Capri, on Twitter at Sean Capri, or us on Twitter at The Xbox Drive. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Roundabout, and we out. Bye!